Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Lodhom. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Honey, baby, love of my life, I'm not going to hurt you, but you didn't let me finish. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to make you watch Star Trek Enterprise. (laughs) Your executive producer and love of my life. It's Cat Davis! Yay! Cat Davis! All work and no play makes Cat a dull kitty. <laughs> That's it. Following up the jokes, support <laughs> supporting the desperate attempts by her husband. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you for uh, sitting down to watch this episode. I know you are very busy, as am I, with work and outside projects. And Who isn't? Who isn't? Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of people being very busy, to pull the curtain back a little bit, this is um, – Kat is subbing in for – our guest who was supposed to be here today, Mr. Evan Ivagora from Star Trek Picard. Uh, we we are recording this uh, uh, one day after uh, the premiere of Season 2, Episode 3, right. which was a doozy of an episode. episode. It was a really, really good episode. But And I won't spoil anything here, but it was really intense and just every everybody on screen knocked it out of the park and then we got an extra little surprise at the very beginning to see that it was directed by Leah Thompson. Yay, from Back to the Future. From Back to the Future, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and I've wondered this about uh a lot of a lot of episodes of Star Trek not just in Enterprise but throughout the franchise of like what was a decision in the writers room? What was, you know, a note from a producer? Mm-hmm. Uh, versus, you know, what was an acting choice. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's got Leah's name on it. And, right. it, and it was a killer episode. Yeah, so, it was great. Uh, yeah, it was Good really job. awesome. Yeah. If you got, if for some reason you're listening to this and you haven't ventured into Star Trek Picard, you know, I mean, you can obviously wait till we get there, but that's going <laughs> to, that's going to take you a while. But I mean, just jump in. It's so great, especially if you're a fan of TNG, uh, you know, seeing, all these great characters uh, together, of course, led by Patrick Stewart. Um, and of course, it's not a secret. Jerry Ryan reprises a role as uh, Seven of Nine. And of course, uh, the first season has a whole bunch of uh, cameos from uh, some very familiar faces. And, uh, and of course, Evan. Yes. And Mr. Evan. Which we Ivagora. can't wait to have back. Yes. We cannot wait to get him on the show. Uh, my interactions with him so far have been absolutely stellar. He is a very nice, very sweet guy. Um, and he's and he's a good actor. Uh, and 
one of the consequences of being a good actor is <laughs> you're, you very busy. you're very busy and you work all the time. <laughs> and it's it's tricky for a lot of folks who don't know what goes into producing a podcast. The recording that you're hearing goes under hours and hours of editing. And that's just me talking and cutting it up. Mm-hmm. Not to mention scheduling. Yeah. I've talked with I've talked with another uh, with enough other Star Trek podcasts who don't have guests every week, and they have a hard time keeping up with things. Let alone trying to schedule right. all these different guests to watch all these different episodes, and then carve some time out of their schedule to sit down and talk with me. Right. Which I mean. I always block out two hours to record. That's sort of a maybe we'll do it in two. It <laughs> might be less. It will most likely be more. <laughs> but uh, all that to say, uh, you know, Evan, uh, we love you and we cannot wait to talk to you. Hope everything is well and that we get to um, talk to you soon. Um, but for now. Um, you get me. Yes, we get another <laughs> wonderful, wonderful appearance by our lovely, talented, brilliant executive producer, uh, my wife, Mrs. Cat Davis. Again, thank you so much You're for being willing to do this. And this is a good episode to do it with. This is actually a very good episode of Enterprise. Yeah. Um, one that it actually will get to, but I teared up at the end. And, you know, it's... It, it's a tall order for Star Trek to bring about some tears from Mrs. Davis, yeah, especially isn't it? Enterprise. Like, you know, I, I think we talked about like Picard's really, really good, and I think I've teared up there a couple of times. And I think I don't remember if I have with Discovery, but it's another really good series. And yeah, um, of course, the some of the movies, especially the more recent ones, um, especially and the reboot. Particularly, yeah. you know, at the very beginning, that was oh, of course. particularly for the wives, from what I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> they made it a point to mention it in the commentary. Like, that's what? So, just stop right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. This one, uh, this one, um, you know, Connor Trenier, uh, without showing my hand too much, Connor Trenier as uh, Trip really knocks it out of the park in terms of uh, the acting and the performance yeah. and different things that he's doing. Uh, not to mention the rest of the cast, like the right. rest of the cast, you know, he's not, he's not, you know, Connor Trenier not up there by himself. Like he's, he's doing, he's swinging for the fences, but everybody is. Yeah. Um, John Billingsley is flocks. Oh, oh man. Ugh. Like another great performance. <laughs> um, anyways, this one is uh, really interesting, of course, directed by LeVar Burton, but uh, without getting- Wait, wait, are we sure it was directed by LeVar Burton? Uh, wh- what do you mean? Feels like the beginning was totally Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> we start off like- Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We start off, and I know you're getting into the recap, but Tripp's dead. Yeah. He's in a coffin. What? <laughs> what? No backstory, just we're at his funeral. Yeah, yeah. Two g- reverse two weeks. All right. Yep. Well, Quentin Tarantino, this thing. Yeah, exactly. Then where do we end up? In a sexy foot rub scene. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean. God, you're absolutely right. I mean. Wow. Holy yeah. crap! I didn't even think about it. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right with the 
with the uh, the time shift and uh, the focus on feet. Yeah, yeah, I could see how uh, you could make an argument for uh, QT directing this thing. Although, if QT had directed this thing, it wouldn't have been 44 minutes. It had been uh, oh, that's true. a little over yeah. three hours. Yeah. And it would have taken place mostly in the uh, dining hall. And a great soundtrack. It would have had an amazing soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, uh, before we get too much into it, <laughs> let's get to this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. UPN Wednesday. The most difficult test facing any captain, any crew, is the loss of a shipping. We will never forget what he did for us, for all the citizens of Earth. But the greatest mystery is what he left behind. While endeavoring to increase the stable speed of Enterprise to Warp 5, there's an explosion in engineering, and Trip slips into a coma. Doc Flock suggests a radical and controversial procedure to save him, growing a mimetic symbiote as a neurological donor. Archer, concerned with the overarching goal of their mission, gives the order to do so. The symbiote, with a natural lifespan of two weeks, so you're free Thursday, then. Is then injected with Trip's blood and is soon born. Phlox names him Sim, and as he quickly develops, Trip's memories and personality begin to surface, including an aptitude for engineering and an attraction to T'Pol. The time comes when Phlox must perform the transplant, which turns out will be fatal to Sim. Sim, having now met himself in sickbay, reveals knowledge of an experimental procedure that might allow for a significant extension of his lifespan. All I want to do is cold with you. Archer learns that Phlox was aware of this procedure, but concealed his knowledge of it due to its highly experimental and poorly researched nature. Sim then expresses a strong desire to live, Tripp's own life notwithstanding, through the rest of his natural life. Later, a tired-looking archer, angered at finding Sim in Tripp's quarters, What are you doing here? states he would rather Sim voluntarily submit to the fatal procedure than be forced to. Sim planned an escape, but resigned himself to the transplant after contemplating the Zindi attack on Earth resulting in the death of Elizabeth, Tripp's sister. Sim realizes his and the crew's options are limited. Before leaving for sickbay, T'Pol arrives and gives him a kiss. Sim thanks Doc Phlox for being a good father to him, and I'm not crying, you're crying. With the medical procedure successful, Archer honors Sim's sacrifice in the presence of part of the crew, including Trip. Sucks! The episode is bookended with the funeral and committal of Sim's body to outer space. Great! So we've already talked about the amazing performances from the entire cast here, but in terms of the story, we've got a pretty heavy moral dilemma. Yeah. The subject matter hit 
a little extra for you because of a book you read. What book is it? Yeah, um, I love Jodi Picoult. Um, she's one of my favorite authors. Mm-hmm. My The very first book I was introduced uh, from her was My Sister's Keeper. I uh, read it in college um, during a death and dying course that I took. Yes, I'm goth kitty. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but during the – so with this book, um, and if you haven't read Jodi Picoult, like I said, she's one of my favorite authors. She writes in a way that – you know, it's from different character perspectives. It's from different timelines. So the end of the story ends up being very much of a surprise because you're kind of puzzle piece puzzle piecing the whole thing together. Oh wow! Um, so definitely check her out if you haven't. Um, I'll but, put I'll put some links to some of her stuff here in the notes yeah. for folks. Yeah. Um, but so for my sister's keeper, um, Anna, the the younger sister, was purposefully conceived to be a quote-unquote savior sister to her older sister, Kate, who has acute leukemia. Um, so they use the umbilical cord blood the, to, to help try to save Kate. Um, so Anna's life was entirely created to, to save Kate. That's all that she was been there for. Mm. And unfortunately, they thought that, that the umbilical cord alone would save Kate. But um, she kept relapsing throughout her life, so Anna's been a constant donor to to her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a lot of other parts of the story, but I'm just focusing on the sisters at, at this point. Um, but come to when Anna um, turns like 13 or is is 13, and um, Kate's at a very very bad time in her health and needs a kidney. She's in kidney failure. Oh. So her parents decided Anna is going to give one of her kidneys to her sister. Mm. And Anna is like, no, I'm kind of done with this. I want medical emancipation from my parents. Now, I'm not going to give away anything in this story. And if you read, if you, if you watch the movie instead of reading the book, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, The ending does not follow the ending to the book. And it doesn't give you the big shockers that the ending of the book has. Mm. Um, so I truly recommend reading the book. But, I mean, you think about what is happening here with Sim. Like, he is being created entirely to serve and save Trip. Yeah. And he, both of these people, they, they have their own lives. They, even though his is supposed to be short, um, you know, he has memories. He has loves. He has all of these things. And to see what, like the whole situation, in, in my opinion, there's so many impossible moments. There's so many, like, how can someone do this? How can, you know, thinking about flocks, thinking about the captain, like, how can you say, okay, yes, we're going to do this and create this person. Yeah. And then kill this person. Yeah. And all this stuff. But, you know, at the same time, it's also in a sort of in a way beautiful because, Sim has these moments of, okay, when they finally, they tell him after Mm -hmm. he's of a certain age, even though it's like four days or something like that. Right. But he's like, he meets Trip. He realizes what his purpose on this planet is for. He's actually living life differently than anyone else on that ship is. You know, the way he goes and tells to Paul that he has these feelings for her. Mm -hmm. Um. 
the way he, the, he thinks of nothing else from her, the way he actually was like, hey, I can save you guys. You know, I mean, I'm tripped too. Like I, or, you know, I have the understanding of how to do all this stuff uh-huh. that we need to do to save the entire ship. Yeah. Um. So he's just kind of, he almost lives a little bit fearless, I think, because yeah, no, knows, that's a good point. He knows he's not meant to live more than a few more days, you know? Yeah. Now, granted, to hear that Flox is aware of a way he could potentially live a lot longer, you know, that even throws in a whole nother wrench into it, but... Yeah, yeah. Now, um, because you have a background in the medical field, have you ever heard... Is, is this a common practice of actually having either a savior sibling or something along these lines to prolong I, the life of somebody else? I don't know that I would say it's common. Mm. Um, again, there's so many ethical issues involved in this. Right. And um, But to, to, ha- to have the idea put into a book, I know from researching Jodi P. Colton, how she does all this stuff, she, she researches stories like this. Yeah. So clearly it's happened. Mm. Um, I just hope these people realize that they do have life outside of their outside of their siblings yeah so, and their parents don't treat them felt like their parent the parents in the store in the story of my sister's keeper at least you know treated them very much like all right anna you know it's time to help kate yeah you know and she even thought that her going for her medical emancipation was kate trying to, or anna trying to get attention you know right so it's just it's just you have to have the right mindset and care for, I mean, I'm sure I knew they cared for both, but it didn't show it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and this is kind of an extra, the, the, the episode here kind of adds an extra layer of, I also have all of his memories. Right. Right. I, I have his body. I have his knowledge. I have his memories. I have his feelings. I have all, you know, and there's, and there's this procedure that could yeah. Extend my life. When the kid says he misses his parents. Oh my gosh. God. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's and rough. then and then he realizes in the end, he's just like, I remember my real parents, but I also remember you, Dr. Flox. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah, were yeah. you were a great father, and that's just oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it is quite a tearjerker. Yeah. Like it's really it really tugs at the heartstrings. And um how do we feel about his interaction with T'Pol? Because, again, he's got all these memories, mm-hmm. but really he's only known her for a week, week and a half. I thought it was cute the way he was just like, you know, he understood it in a way. It was like, he said two days ago it was an adolescent crush. And now it's more than that. Yeah. And and, it, and he even acknowledges it must be weird for you a few days ago. I was in diapers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she knows... To, to stay mm-hmm. arm's length, basically, yeah. because he's not going to stick around. Yeah. Um, I'm shocked that we don't have a follow-up story for this. Now, Grant, I know you haven't talked about the next episode or the next, I don't know, few episodes, but it's like, at least I haven't, I don't remember, I haven't seen that, you know, hey, so. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, this is going to come back around. I mean, because to Paul... For every, for as far as T'Pol has come in terms of her interaction with a very human crew, mm-hmm. um, this is kind of, this is a big, maybe, maybe she's not taking a step forward, but being, all, uh, again, 
here's to Paul being forced <laughs> forward of like, right. hey, I'm about to die. Like, so if you wouldn't mind hopping on this guilt train with me. <laughs> like, I know. I know. Oh, God. I'm falling in love. I kiss you in the end and everything. And I was just like, I know you're leaving. Yeah. But then she doesn't even, she doesn't go to trip. So it's just like, it's, it's very interesting. It, it, her reaction's very interesting or lack thereof or yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's, I mean, there there is an action there, but it's just like I, you know, I do feel like he used. He's like, while I'm still here, I want to tell you this. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, he's he's living life like he's going to die tomorrow. Like we kind of all should be, right? It's like, yeah, fearless and and just going for it because. Yeah, we're not granted tomorrow. We're not expect. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's promised tomorrow. Uh. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And, you know, and again, it's, you know, big picture here with T'Pol, she's ignoring logic. Yeah. You know, the logic is that's not Trip. Right. And the feelings I'm having are for someone who happens to have Trip's memories. Yeah. The logical thing would be for her to have interacted with him as little as possible. Yeah. And to not show up and to not even go to the funeral because that's not him. Hmm. But I think her, her kissing, her kissing him, her kissing Sim, let's be specific here. Sure. Her, her kissing Sim is embracing, um, an emotion of, um, sympathy and, and understanding of what this living creature is about to go through and about to endure. Yeah, because he, I mean, again, in 15 days, what, or uh, less, when, when he's actually the age that he needs to be to donate um, the neuro tissue, um, you know, he's never kissed anybody. Yeah. Ne- he's never going to have sex. Yep. She's not, she didn't cross that line. Yeah. But, you know, I think she's willing to, you know, okay, you know, at least like, give him this moment of, joy yeah yeah but yeah that overarching ignoring of logic yeah so there's the ignoring of logic and the embracing of an emotion so same kind of irony or opposite yeah flocks Mm -hmm. so in the beginning he's reluctant to tell the captain about this thing Mm -hmm. that can grow into a sentient being and and be a transplant and you know, for to save Trip, he does tell him though, but yet then he doesn't tell him of the potential for this being to extend his life. Yeah. How curious is that? Yeah. Um, now, I know that there's like a whole thing of well, there's not enough research. There's there. I didn't feel that this was you know this uh, the extension of the life was you know. There, there wasn't enough there for me to go off of versus the other one. I felt like it was, it was a true potential, but. Right. It's, it's an interesting, uh, yeah, it's an interesting angle looking at what Phlox chose to introduce to Archer versus what he kept from Archer versus what he kept from Archer and Sim. Right. About the research of the extended lifespan, but Trip's smart enough and he found it on his own. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so. I mean, not all, he, he had to know something was up. Well, he clearly did. You know, he knows the end of the book because my mom and dad read it to me. Where are my mom and dad? Like, right. So he's figuring it out yeah. pretty quickly. And yeah, this has to have, I, I have to imagine that 
Starfleet has a section under the Prime Directive for things like this. Oh, really? In the future. I, I, I mean, I imagine they would because, you know... You can't create like life to save life. Yeah. I, I you know, especially because they use an alien life form. Right. Who was pro- possibly destined for something else, but they used it to serve their oh, own means. Oh, that I didn't catch. Mm-hmm. Interesting. They used it um, for their own means, for their own benefit. They altered the timeline or potential for culture of this other living organism. Which again, he I mean, it's a larva, so... Right. But again, he didn't even know the research of combining that with human mm-hmm. because then he finds out that the transplant's going to kill Sim. He's not going to be able to, with you know, withstand that. Yeah. So again, why wouldn't he tell of the potential for Sim to live out? It's so strange to me. Yeah. And the fact that he's like a father figure to Sim. Yeah. Like... I don't know. Flox was Flox is the character that I, I question the most. Like I could probably get even though DePaul you're saying are, are is maybe being illogical. Mm-hmm. Um I I feel like she's following some kind of emotion. Yeah. Which we know that Vulcans have emotions. Mm-hmm. Um maybe she doesn't feel comfortable enough doing that with the real trip, but she knows that this is going to be, you know, short term. So yep. she goes for it. You know, that way. So I can probably understand or can reason with Tapal a little bit more than I can Phlox. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And the, the other thing that stuck out to me is the desperation of Archer. Archer we, felt so angry. Yeah. Because he he knew he knew this procedure was a risk. And now he's in a position where we have to follow through no matter how painful it is. And we've seen Archer this season do some very uncaptainy things mm. in terms of just this season. Well, <laughs> in terms of in terms of acting out acting out of desperation. I was going to say acting emotionally, but he's kind of always acted mm-hmm. emotionally. But he's he's you know acting out of desperation. He is so desperate to get revenge for Earth. Oh yeah. And he will complete this mission, yeah. No matter the cost. And this is this is a big one where his best friend, or at least a version of his best friend, is pleading for his life. Can I ask you? I yeah. I know you've said a lot on this series or on this the podcast about how this came soon after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Are we at the point where Archer is kind of taking on that response? In terms of us like going to Afghanistan and doing all these things that we're trying to get revenge and creating more chaos and more, you know, destruction than actually, you know, doing good. I think that's I think that had to have been a discussion in the writer's room for sure. If not, if not throughout the end of season two Mm -hmm. into this season, season three. Um, we're coming up on a few more episodes where the, that conclusion can become, can be arrived at very easily. Yeah. That he is I don't is know acting. if we all felt that way back then, early 2000s. I think maybe we still were kind of raw, raw, but I know 20 years later, we're definitely like, this was so bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I've- So many ways. I've spoken about it because it happened your freshman year of college yeah my senior year of high school yeah and i i think i've spoken about it before that um 
you know, a lot of guys that I went to school with, mm-hmm. their their plans changed that day. Yeah. Um, guys I played ball with, you know, wound up signing up, signing up and going into the service. I was dangerously close to being in that line and yeah. signing my name on that piece of paper as well. Um, but I distinctly recall like them, uh, you know, which we all totally get that reaction, right? It's, you know, everyone bands together. Yeah. And as the dust, I think as the dust began to settle, Mm -hmm. we started seeing some of the things our government was doing as a reaction to the events of 9-11. Whether or it w- using 9-11 as, as a springboard. Yes, using it as an excuse to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Um, and so now I, we see Archer doing that. So now we see Archer doing some things that are less than less than honorable mm-hmm. or are almost certainly questionable. We've, we saw him take a pirate and throw him in the airlock and hit depressurize. Ugh. Like, that's intense (laughs) you know anytime you know and it's been pointed out to archer a few times to his face of you're not a killer or you're not gonna kill me and i keep waiting sim did that too here Uh uh-huh sim did it too and i keep remembering um the movie the rock nicholas cage sean connery (laughs) um in that movie uh ed harris plays uh general francis hummel and I know my father really identified with uh, General Hummel, especially from the word go. Of course, he, you know, I don't want to spoil too much of the movie. It's an amazing movie. But um, General Hummel is in uh, United States Marine Corps Dress Blues. And his reasonings for why he sets things in motion uh, rang very true for my uh, former military intelligence (laughs) Vietnam veteran father. But at one point, someone is calling into question the actions of the general and basically saying, you're not a killer. We're not going to do this. Blah, 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 blah. What the hell are you doing? I'm not ready to kill these people. Call the Pentagon. Ask for more time. No. Do it! Frank! We're coming loose. You're coming loose. The rest of us are in complete control. We're asking, we're asking for a new deadline. The phone now. The men are falling apart. The men are Marines. Are they? I want to talk to General Kramer. You've been asked by an old friend. Put him on the phone right now. You've been ordered by a superior officer. There's a major Baxter. Now you're being given your last chance by a man with a gun. Put the phone down. I thought you weren't ready to kill. I'm warming up. <gasps> and that is it. He's and of course Ed Harris is such an amazing actor. <laughs> <laughs> he he's got a he's got a really great uh, resume uh, and does an incredible job. In the rock, but yeah, that that little turn of I'm warming up, I see that in Archer's face every time someone, someone says, says that. Oh, yeah, every gosh. time someone says you're not a killer, I keep waiting for him to say the line. Just go ahead and say it, man. Uh, I'm warming up. Like <laughs> when I, when did the rock come out? Uh, ninety six. Okay, I think? so it was already out by the. By oh the time yeah, yeah. Came. So he could potentially like use the line, even though. Yeah, he could have, uh, you know. Not quite kosher, probably. <laughs> no, probably not the best thing to do. But uh, yeah, it, it's such a it's such a sobering moment of yeah. like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, they always talk about um, most dangerous animal is one backed into a corner. Yeah. You know. Uh, well, and he even had a reaction when Sim talked about Trip's sister. Yep. 
you know, that's why he ended up staying. Of course, oh my God, I love that scene too, where he's in the, the, um, he's in Trip's quarters. No, no, no. The one where that lock, the, he's about to leave. Oh, he's in the shuttle bay. Shuttle bay. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that scene where he's in the shuttle bay and he's like, yeah, I was going to go. Um, but then I thought about the, what my life would be. Uh-huh. I didn't know where to go. Yeah. You know? Didn't and know then to I'm going to gonna just, there's no bathroom. I'm there's just going to, no bath- I'm just going to die and have to pee in a cup like the whole time I'm in here. And, and he and references, he references the events of shuttle pod one back. Uh, let's see. That was. Oh, the worst, the worst would be trapped with, uh. Worst would be being <laughs> trapped in this thing with Malcolm. With Malcolm. That's right. Which is a direct reference to season one, episode 16. He yeah. Remembers. He remembers this, yeah. this, this life, this life that we've been watching now for two and a half seasons. Yeah. Is very real to him. Yeah. But then he also mentions, you know, another reason he stayed was his sister and yeah. just as much Sim's sister as it is Tripp's sister. And and he makes a point. Say she's my sister too. Yeah. And it's oh that yeah. that's a that's a that's a heavy moment yeah, because he, he points that out. She's my sister too. Archer didn't really talk too much during that scene. No. But I couldn't. So I couldn't fully tell like what he was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. We're focused on we're focused on Sim. Yeah. In that moment. But you're right. It's also like what you know is what is Archer like. Is What's going just, on in his head? Is he just, you know, going to explode at some point because it's all building and all right. that stuff? But can I just say, Porthos can be my emotional support dog <laughs> any time. Oh, my so God. Yeah. My, I started crying at, right at that moment. Yeah. That was it yeah. for me. I lost it. Which <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that's more revealing than we're led to believe because – Porthos wouldn't be there if Archer didn't want him to be. Right. Because that wasn't Archer's room. Yeah. That's not Archer. Yeah, that's not Archer's room. Porthos doesn't doesn't just go around. Yeah, he know, doesn't just wander the ship. No, he's in Archer's room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, as we do every week, we ask, uh, we lovingly ask <laughs> the question, who do we blame? This episode was written by Manny Cotto. This is his first writing credit in the franchise. He actually began working on Enterprise. Uh, four episodes earlier with season three, episode six, Exile. Uh, then uh, Shipment, Twilight, and North Star as co-executive producer. Now, we mentioned uh, LeVar Burton, that this episode was directed by LeVar Burton, which is interesting because I think it sheds some light on the previ- his previous episode directing, which was Extinction, which he has gone on record of saying he I'm is very sorry. He's he, yeah, <laughs> that he's ashamed of that yeah. episode. Well, you you've brought it back, dude. Like this was awesome. Yeah, this was really really great, and I think we've seen most of Levar, most of Lavar Burton's episodes that he's directing are fairly heavy on yeah. Subject matter and real emotional performances from the cast. Some of the best episodes. Right. Now, I mean, you can argue that some of that is due to LeVar Burton himself being an actor. Mm-hmm. So he works with actors, yeah. uh, which makes sense. I think Jonathan Frakes has a little bit but of that, too. But deep subject matters, too. I mean. But yeah, really deep subject matter. Whereas Jonathan Frakes is more focused on the sci-fi, I yeah. think. Um, but yeah, this is this is an interesting turn. So I think it makes us question extinction the episode extinction even more just kind of like okay so this is the outlier 
or extinction is the outlier. So what happened? And, you know, not to not to stray too far from this episode, but it really, it really makes me wonder, like, did someone hand him this episode? Was he filling in for somebody else? Or, you know, what happened? Because it's it it's a real puzzle. It's a real puzzle. I'd I'd have a really hard time not asking about it (laughs) if I was ever in the same room. Well, with LeVar, I think the I think, though, like. Whatever the circumstances are, I mean, no one can be perfect. No. We love LeVar, LeVar, we love LeVar Burton. We feel like he can do no wrong. Right. So when you put someone up on a pedestal like that. Yeah. When they crash, they crash freaking hard. So yeah. we don't, we, we're human. We're all yeah. human and it happens and we just. Don't talk about that episode. <laughs> right. And, well, and to be honest, when when I talked about uh, Extinction before, I believe I discussed it with uh, Moody, Moody Black. Black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I said, you know, to be honest, I would love to ask him about it, but I think the easy thing for him to do would be like, hey, look, man, it was 20 years ago. Yeah. And, I, and I'd have to go, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't want to throw anybody else under the bus no, either. No, of course not. So of course if, not. It, if it wasn't like, if it was just kind of, hey... Last minute, we got to get Lavar because he'll make this. If anyone can make this good, it, it's Lavar Burton, right? Right. So we we know this is <laughs> or something like that. So we got to get the best director we can, right? And or, then he's just like, I can't do anything with this, guys. Yeah. Or, and I am just totally making this up, you know, internet world. So could be. Don't take me for. I'm just having fun. Yeah. Or you know what. <laughs> The best laid plans. Right, right. You know, it could have been an amazing episode on paper. It could have been. So maybe, you know, budgetary constraints. It could have been. Acting decisions. It could be anything. Scheduling. There's no telling Mm -hmm. what could have made that episode wind up the way that it did. There's no telling. But, you know, it is what it is. LeVar said what he said. About it, and, and we still love you, and, and we still love you. <laughs> we still love Star Trek. We still Trek. trust you. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> so don't you worry about it. Um, in terms of guest stars, uh, it's pretty uh, pretty low on the guest star uh, list this week. But we've got Mr. Shane Sweet, uh, who plays Sim Trip at age seventeen, which we don't get very much with him. But his first credit was Cheers. Uh, the episode, season 11, episode 11 from 1992, Love Me, Love My Car, when he was six years old. 11-11. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, he did 12 episodes of Married with Children from 1992 to 1993, uh, where he was nominated for two Young Artist Awards. Nice. Then he did some voiceover work for Toy Story and one episode of the Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy show in 1995. He did um, one episode of a little thing called Adventures in Odyssey. Now, you're probably not familiar with Adventures in Odyssey, are you? No. See, you didn't grow up with the very strict Bible upbringing that right. I did. Yes. Adventures in Odyssey is was a I'm radio. A heathen, you guys. Was what? <laughs> I'm a heathen, you guys. <laughs> Goth kitty, don't yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So Adventures in Odyssey was actually a radio drama that was aimed at kids and preteens okay. that's of uh, sort of this kooky scientist guy who had this hangout spot for for kids and young teens. And there was a lot of 
Bible adventure type things in his time machine uh, that took place in the town of Odyssey. Oh. So um, there it was very thrilling adventure hour. A, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. But of course, it was, you know, heavy, heavy on the sure. um, biblical yeah. uh, themes and uh, uh, theological teaching and things like that. It was actually pretty good. It was actually very well produced. Yeah. Um, and those of us who do remember Adventure- Adventures in Odyssey do remember it fondly. Cool. <laughs> it was actually pretty good. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, he did one of those, A Twist in Time, and he played the character Sal Martinez. So Adventures in Odyssey. Google it. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. <laughs> uh, then he did three episodes of Journey of Alan Strange uh, in 97, 99, and 2000 where he was again nominated for three more Young Artist Awards. And then that led to this, his only franchise appearance uh, so far. And then uh, shortly after this is when he graduated high school. So like, oh my gosh. he had like a whole career <laughs> before uh, before his life really Can got you started. Imagine? I, that's the life of a child actor. That's uh. how it goes. Listen, to, go on, go on YouTube sometime. And find the Between the Sheets interview with Ashley Johnson, Mm -hmm. who was the kid on Growing Pains, but who is now part of Critical Role. Oh, that's right. And uh, listen to her talk about her career. It's a wild wild look at that type of lifestyle. And she actually turned out very normal. (laughs) But uh, anyways, uh, after... um, Shane Sweet graduated high school. He uh, racked up some nerd credit with Static Shock, Caprica, Big Hero 6, and two episodes of Marvel's What If. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so Herc, of uh, it Cool News, gave the episode a 3.5 out of 5, praising the casting of the different trips and the intellectual and emotional journey of T'Pol. However, he was critical of the setup. For the moral dilemma. I think I mentioned this to you earlier today uh, before we started rolling that some of the situation type things to get to this point of the moral dilemma felt a little shoehorned of like, we have to get to this decision. How do we get there? (laughs) Oh, I see. So the fact that he... Was working on the engine and it happened to explode during an experiment. And then I just happened to have this larva that if you inject it with blood, it becomes a perfect replica. Like, And the fact that he is no longer going to survive the transplant. Yep. Yeah. So there's a bunch of elements. Because if you knew that ahead of time, you, prob- you probably wouldn't create exactly. the being. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 Uh, Michelle Erica Green of Trek Nation thought the episode. Um, <gasps> sorry. Michelle Erica Green of Trek Nation thought the ending was a cop out. And I know, I know. She thought it would have been better if Sim had taken Tucker's place, which would have. It would have been very interesting. It would have been very interesting to to have technically a third alien as part of the crew. Oh. Yeah, because it's it's just to Paul and Phlox. Those are the only alien crew members. I don't know. Like. I just I can't I, I can't even imagine it's again it's an impossible decision like one has to die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how, that's really how this is. Uh-huh. Now the thing is is like we don't know if the extending li- the life experiment would actually work, which is again why you're like um okay, what well, makes sense if he only's going to live 15 days the trip actually lives. Right. Right? Yeah. 
but they're not even willing to attempt to try that. And they've only got one shot because of how fast he grows to really get the neuro, you know, um, what is it? The, the, yeah, the neuro, the neuro implant, get the neuro, the neuro implant into trip. Right. So it's like such a tiny window. Yeah. And they really have to get out of where they are. Uh huh. It's just too much. Going yeah, on. yeah. Like the moral dilemma <laughs> happening inside the ship. Meanwhile, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the ship is gaining this coating of yeah. dust and stuff, where it's going to kill them. We're going very to soon. All die. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which look, if you're able to blast stuff off of the doors, yeah. Why not keep blasting the stuff off of the hull? Yeah. Like those things rotate six three hundred and sixty degrees. Like. Keep blasting the stuff off of the hull. Yeah. <laughs> but what do I know? When was when was this episode? Uh, 2003. You know what's interesting? Hmm. Um, so I was telling you about My Sister's Keeper. Yeah. That debuted 2004. Interesting. Wait, the book or the... The book. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. The book. That is interesting. Just saying. Huh. <laughs> Well, folks, you've heard it. You heard it. <laughs> Publication date April 6, thousand four. Yeah, and this episode premiered November nineteenth, two thousand three. So Star Trek beat, or maybe, maybe she was a fan. <gasps> we might have to see if we can get Jodie Picoult on the show. I was gonna say because <laughs> I... you know she's kind of a nerd, right? Oh yeah, she liked. Uh, she wrote. Um, she wrote Wonder Woman. A Wonder Woman. Yeah, she wrote uh, five or six issues of Wonder Woman back mm, in the day. Jody yeah. Peacock, if you're listening, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Come talk to us. Yes, I. You know what? <laughs> I I I promise here and now I will reach out to Jody Peacock and see. Actually, I have before, and she has responded. So really, yeah. yeah. Oh well, maybe executive producer. Oh, okay, it's my turn. It might actually be your <laughs> turn to see if you can book somebody on the show. Anyway, I think I got us off track a little bit with that, but no, um, that's okay. Um, I, I will go back though to I, I feel like calling it a cop out. The ending, yeah, I, I think that was a little harsh. Yes, it would have been interesting. I yeah. think it would have been a very interesting turn of events to have Sim be the new trip. Um, especially yeah. with what happened with T'Pol and his relationship with Phlox and all of that stuff. I think that would have been very interesting, but I don't want to, I wouldn't call it a cop out. No. I mean, she's writing for Trek Nation, yeah. which us Trek nerds tend to be pretty harsh about oh, a really? lot of things. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, the bar has been set very, yeah. very high yeah. since the mid 1960s. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, when, when something happens and doesn't, doesn't uh measure up to what we think it should be mm-hmm. yeah we, we're pretty harsh about it yeah but yeah i think i think that would have been interesting because then they could have uh renamed the episode that's not my name <laughs> that's not my name <laughs> that's not my name uh john billingsley said i thought it was the best of our ensemble pieces and it did what star trek does best which is deal with a topical question that has some sociological significance in a way that brings humanist values into play. I Honestly, he hit the nail on the head there. Mm. And again, I praised him earlier. I'll do it here again. Uh, he really nails it uh, with his performance as Phlox in this episode. Just knowing Phlox is a more, is more uh, emotionally available than a lot of the crew. Yeah. Um, 
when Archer walks in and you can see there's tears in his eyes of just, oh, oh man, oh, what can't. a heart. I can't. It's so hard to watch. Oh. It's, I mean, it's so good, but yeah. Uh, in 2009, Den of Geek ranked this the ninth best episode of the series. There you go. And 2012, Tech Republic included the episode on its list of the five best episodes of Enterprise. So we went from ninth to fifth uh, in a span of uh, three years. So as it, it's apparently aging very well. Uh, in 2014, the AV Club included this episode on their list of 10 episodes that best represented the series and called it a contender for the best episode of Enterprise. Really? Yeah. Well, I would have to kind of agree. I I Again, I it's think really it's a great solid. episode. Yeah, 2016, The Hollywood Reporter interviewed various cast and production crew of Star Trek franchise to determine the 100 greatest episodes from across the five series at the time and rated Similitude as the 85th best episode of all Star Trek episodes. And then later that same year, Vox included this on their list of the 25 essential episodes of Star Trek, not just Enterprise. Wow. Of Star Trek, period. And 2017, Vulture listed this episode as one of the best episodes of Star Trek Enterprise. So, yeah, it has apparently aged very well. Yeah. This discussion really seems to reach across the years and makes people wonder, especially as we continue to make advancements in medical technology. But we are also still dealing with human rights. Right. And I was actually just looking up um, Savior Siblings mm. um, to get more insights into that. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, you know, we we it is lawful in a lot of cases. I mean, the wow. United, United Kingdom has ruled that um, it's lawful to use modern reproductive technologies to create Savior Siblings. In Australia, um, they do have something... Um, it has to be reviewed by infertility treatment authority on a case by case basis. Um, but they actually like create these embryonic cells that, um, you know, can be, can be used as a savior sibling and looking into pop culture references, since we've been talking about different things, especially around the same time period, like, yeah. like my sister's keeper, um, you know, my sister's keepers listed, Star Trek Enterprise, this particular episode is listed under Save Your Siblings. So is a CSI episode, Heroes, Never Let Me Go, Grey's Anatomy, 911. Wow. Several different things have talked about this kind of stuff. So it is, it's a, it's an interesting topic of conversation. I think there's a lot of views on this. I can't imagine the religious world, like what a lot of people would say to creating life. Yeah. No, that's yeah. that's an interesting perspective. Is yeah, we we we're hearing all of this from medical community. Yeah, we're we're talking about a science experiment, right? I wonder so how the religious thinking community about feels the about moral it. and ethical. I mean, we've talked about the moral and ethical, but you know, throw right. throw in religious views on top of that. Do they consider this? You know, because it was it was purposely produced. You know, they put the right things in here to to be you know to be the right DNA for this other yeah. human being to be a healthy version of this, this one, yeah. you know, that's not healthy. So I'll have to, uh, I'll have to ask Mr. Kevin C. Nice, the author of the gospel according oh, to Star Trek. Yeah. Who's coming on soon. He's coming on very soon. I'll have to ask him about that. Um, and see what he has to say. I'd love to hear his thoughts. Knowing that, um, there is 
it is not all religious uh, groups, but there are certain religious groups that I think would be opposed to absolutely this type of procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the folks who are uh, pro-lifers. You know, the blanket term of pro-lifers, sure. I think, would be against this. But yeah, absolutely. So um, let me ask you this question. I think this is the first time actually asking you this particular question. Is this essential viewing? Now, keep, oh, yeah. Keep in mind because, well, and I'll, I'll give you I'll give you my answer while you ponder. <laughs> I think in terms of I think in terms of trip. And his story, if you, if Trip is your favorite character, this absolutely is a must see. Which I think, Trip has not been my favorite character, but he definitely now is up there. Like this episode brought him back for me. So yeah. So Connor Trenier, I apologize. Um, <laughs> hope we can hope we can chat soon. Things yes. are all good. <laughs> Shuttle Pod Show, please hit us up. We're really like poking people today, aren't we? <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Um, but. Um, if also you are a fan of the slowly budding romance mm-hmm. between Trip and Tapal, yeah. I think this would also be uh, this would also be a must a must see episode in terms of the overall narrative plot wise yeah. of the story. I'd have to say no. Okay, well, what about with Archer? Again, I think with Archer, I think this is another chapter uh, showing his descent into desperation. I was wondering if it was kind of doing that build to to this climax that I'm assuming is going to happen where he loses it. Snaps and loses it. Yeah. Uh, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, I know the Starfleet, caps, the Starfleet captains are always supposed to appear as these unflappable. Yeah morally moral compasses in the galaxy um but yeah i I think in terms of the narrative in terms of the plot of the franchise yeah i'd have to say no well and i'll take it from a different perspective then from my answer because i think you know the narrative better you know the timeline better so i will lean on you and say no it's not essential viewing for to understand the story of enterprise and all that stuff um I would say it's absolutely essential viewing if you're looking for – what I love most about Star Trek is that conversation. That, oh, yeah. That it starts. You know, we talk about um, race and sex and, and and all the stuff that so many things don't want to talk about, right? Politics and religion. Politics, religion. Yeah. This is a huge moral, ethical conversation that there's really i mean so many of these and this is why i love philosophy conversations too there's not always an answer yeah you know there's not always a right and wrong you know there's so it's it's an it's an impossible decision impossible conversation to have impossible scenario you know and i know it's possible i know it exists because Again, we have these savior yeah, siblings, right? It, so it's this, real. <laughs> it is real that, that this technology and this science exists. But at the same time, like morally and ethically, when you start going down this path, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So the entertainment – oh, that's a horrible way to say it. But the entertainment value and, and the the philosophical conversations that come from a con- from an episode like this, I think it is essential viewing. Okay. So it, it a social conversation that needs to be had to continue to evolve this species. I think it's essential viewing. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and support you on that. Yay! And say, <laughs> in terms of 
coming up with the essential viewing of the narrative for Star Trek fans? Mm-hmm. Probably not. But right. if you are introducing Star Trek to someone else, oh. this is an episode that is really going to get you on board with the emotional yeah. gravity of what is going on. Because yeah. even if you don't know about the Zindi or why they are in the expanse, it doesn't really matter that they're in the expanse. It's just it just matters the moral dilemma within the ship. Yeah. And then secondly, What's happening? the ship is in this peril. This yeah, the ship is in peril. Imminent peril. Like yeah, very <laughs> imminent peril. So uh yeah, I think this is one that will definitely get people who may be on the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, this will probably push them over the edge into being Star Trek fans from here on out. Especially yeah. with I don't know. Be, I don't know if it'd be the first episode I'd ever tell a brand no, newbie no, 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 to no. watch. Um, but yes, I would say that this is a hooker. This is a, oh, that's a bad word too. This, <laughs> <laughs> this will hook you. You, yes. you heard it here, <laughs> folks. You heard I'm it here drunk, first. I promise. <laughs> Um. <laughs> no, but I think you're absolutely right. I think especially in light of a few episodes, certainly in season one, that yeah. dealt with moral dilemmas. Yeah. And I know at least a few people that I have talked to who said, you know what? I saw the pilot episode. It wasn't for me. The pilot many, episode of this series. How many shows have we, have, have we told people keep keep watching? Yeah. <laughs> How many times do we have to say keep that watching? Pilot keep episodes watching, keep not watching. always like Broken Bow for yeah. what it was. Again, the fact and I know I've said this on the show before, the fact that any episode of any TV show gets made is close to a miracle. Yeah, sure. It is very difficult to get any of this stuff actually to see the light of day. Yeah. But when it happens and it's part of this huge franchise, there's such high expectations, especially for Enterprise. Because it's at the end of the TNG era. Yeah. And they're coming into this thing with a lot of pressure. Yeah. And yeah, they may have had green lights all the way from the studio. And of course, the fans are always going to want more Star Trek. Yeah. But once cameras start rolling, it's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. You know? Making something happen like we just discussed. Yeah. Everything could have gone well. Or you end up with an episode yeah. like Extinction. Like- yeah. It could all look great on paper and it could fall apart just as easily. And still don't blame this episode for its theme song either. So, you know, we still have that to deal we with. We still have that to so. deal with. I to be honest, this is another one of those episodes that could have that could have done away with the entire like you've mm-hmm. heard me champion the visuals of the opening of, of the opening credits. Mm-hmm. I think the visuals are actually kind of great. Credit in this one. Black card, mm-hmm. black card with the title. Let title fade in. Keep that, title fade out. Keep that drama. Yeah, keep we that just intensity. saw trips. We just saw trips exactly. funeral. Like exactly. black, no music, yeah. and just let us and then let also, us come back. Also, can we in. talk about yeah. since you just said that the ending where we actually see Trip look at Trip in the casket? Yeah, again, impossible. Like your brain, the mental problems that you would have with. Oh yeah. And then, like, trying to process, you guys created another trip? You guys created another me? Like, I want to talk to him. I want to hold his hand and say, I know you just went through brain surgery, but are you okay? Like, you can't be okay. You just went through brain surgery. How would you like to attend your own funeral? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Whose idea was that? Not to mention, it's another 200 years before they have... 
therapist on board. Okay, so I was going to ask that. I was like, <laughs> can we have the discovery guy? What's his name again? Culver. Thank you. I'm always going to. I love him so much, but um, yeah, I'm always going to. Wilson Cruz, you're amazing, my man. <laughs> uh, like, we, he needs to come on Enterprise. Like, just time travel. I know you guys are way in the future right now, but time travel back. <laughs> <laughs> just him. Just him. Just for a we day. We just need you. I need to make sure Trip's okay. Because I know he's not okay. He's not okay. He can't yeah. be okay. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And, whew, yeah, it's no wonder people are so messed up. They didn't get a therapist for another 200 years. Oh, gosh. Uh, so, any final thoughts that you want to share about this episode. Oh, I think we've gone through so much of it. So. We have covered quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. It really is a fantastic episode and um, you know, uh A pluses all around, uh thumbs up, uh star sh- star stickers and all those good things. Uh, star stickers. Yeah, star stickers. Jazz hands. Yeah, jazz hands, of course. <laughs> well, next week, my good friend, comedian and podcaster, Mr. David Baker, will be here to discuss Enterprise Season 3, Episode 11, Carpenter Street, which, of course, is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Kat, where can people find your work on the internet? I am at the... Mm-mm. I am... <laughs> <laughs> I am at no. What? How did I say it before? Are you doing worthy seed or are you doing your personal? No, my personal first. No, no, no. At, do, do your personal last. Do my personal last. Mm. Okay. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, I have a page now for my art. Yes. Um, a worthy seed at a worthy seed. Um, all spelled out. No, nothing in between. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can go follow me anytime. I'm, that's public. Um, and I actually got a commission recently and sold a piece recently. So I'm kind of excited about that. Um, you know, but if I haven't, I need to do an introduction on that page and kind of talk more about what I do. Cause I know there's a lot of people out there doing the acrylic pouring, um, fluid art, whatever you want to hashtag it. Um, I take this so much as art therapy for myself. I just kind of release into the paint and allow the paint to kind of create its own artwork, so to speak. So it's It's fascinating to watch. I am just the vehicle. Um, I don't even really like to sign these pieces. I I want them to live as their own um, being. So I guess. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm really enjoying just, allowing myself to express that um i think i haven't allowed myself that time um in the past so i'm now doing that and then of course my personal page is um uh at that dot darn dot cat um with a k uh and that is private um but if you request me i i and let me know what you're doing let me know you heard about star trek i'll I'll let you in. <laughs> <laughs> and I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in Ted Ford.
us on Patreon and like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. So this Ugh. episode is chock full of, well, we already mentioned the really great performances by yes. the entire cast. Excuse me. Because we shouldn't have eaten before. Probably not. <laughs> How's that for a slice of fried gold?